Everybody's working with that time jersey. I don't even know if this is fully possible for this to be correct analysis, but I think that Chief Steelers now in the rear view with a doubling up of the Pittsburgh Steelers from the Kansas City Chiefs. I think this game had both the worst case scenario and the best case scenario unfold. And it happened in the order that remembering that first quarter feels like a haze. It feels like a game from 10 years ago. But that's the type of uh, that's the type of action you can get whenever you bring a seven seed into the playoffs. You get the Chiefs up and down season, the inconsistency, the self-inflicted wounds, and then the fire-breathing dragon from space that the offense can occasionally be. Holy bleep, do we have a lot to talk about here on today's Times Ours. I'm Joshua Briscoe. Nate Taylor back in the saddle. Seth Kaiser making his way back to the great white north of the frozen tundra of Minnesota from Kansas City. He was in town for the game. We'll we'll give him some time to talk about that uh, on our second episode of the week, Nate. But uh, you are back. We have a football game. We had a football game. Holy cow, so much football. (laughs) Uh, We did. Um, It's great to be back. Hello, everyone. Um, Again, continue to send me any gifts associated with zippers being unzipped. Uh, It warms my heart. I get the sense that, you know, and I kind of put this on Twitter, Josh, but when you're in the playoffs, you just go. Um, The Chiefs were very respectful. Can I say that, Josh? Sorry, I'm currently scolding the barking dog here. <laughs> no, no, stop it! I muted my microphone to keep you from barking. The the Chiefs were so respectful. Hey, that guy is a hot Michelle Tafoya. Let me give you all the words you need for your word bubble. The, the yes! Man, the man's a Hall of Famer, okay? He is a competitor, okay? He is he he's he's just excellent. He's durable. He he's so well regarded in the league. We Family may, man. We we may be going over the top. Uh <laughs> look, he's he's awesome. They were so respectful. And then so disrespectful yes, to yes. Cam Hayward and to <laughs> TJ Watt and to Joe Hayden and to Minka Fitzpatrick. So disrespectful. But that's the playoffs in the, as I said, the athletic, in the Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes administration, they have sold you something on a campaign trail that started in St. Joseph, Missouri, mm-hmm. and they are fulfilling their promises in late January. Just the the absolute level of disrespect that the Chiefs unzipped and unveiled to the Steelers while also being very, just very diplomatically respectful to a quarterback who should never throw another pass in an NFL setting. Um, it it kind of had everything, even a little bit of like Chiefs PTSD in, yes. terms, of, in terms of fans, where yes. they're like, is TJ Watt going to win the entire game on his own? Maybe. There was a moment where every Chiefs fan had to have that thought of like, is that the only touchdown TJ Watt is going to score today? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it, it had everything. Um, 
they went on another like warrior esque run where it's just like, oh, we need to score a touchdown. Well, how about we score six in a row? Just yep. all of them different. All of them with different people involved. All of them looking, you know, quite enjoyable to the eye. Oh, and by the way, they didn't have any fireworks. You know, towards the they ran out again. The, it's happened twice the, now. Towards the fourth quarter, I mean, they, they ran out of fireworks, which again. Very disrespectful to the Steelers' defense. While also being so gentle and kind and caring for a man who just... We look forward to him five summers from now being in Canton, Ohio. I love the respect dichotomy that you have found in this. Because you're so right. I've pulled up the word cloud. And the words that the Chiefs players were credited as using for Ben Roethlisberger include all-time great, gutsy, Gutsy. Hall of Famer, strong, leader, world champion, smart, and my favorite, big. (laughs) And you know who said that? That was Andy. That was Andy (laughs) to Michelle Tafoya. You know, he's, he's big. He's big, you know? My theory is that someone just called him Big Ben, and then some producer at NBC was like, write down big. Just put down big. We're not, we're running out of, we're running out of superlatives. He's, he's but, super big. He's super big. He's so big. The, the, the dichotomy there is like, you know, everybody has a, a an older person in their life, you know, that, um... Maybe it's a, an older grandparent or someone, you know, someone, someone in a, a family or family friend or whatever. And you go, man, you know, th- this person is has done great things and is worthy of all of our kindness and respect and all the things that you just laid out there. You know, they are, you know, they're they're up there, but we we want to treat them with the sort of dignity that they that they deserve you know even if even if some things are a little bit harder later in life and all that we've all we've all seen that I think we would all want to be treated that way later in our lives and then uh they treated the rest of the steelers like your cousin at thanksgiving that you are spending the entire football game mossing in the backyard then absolutely hip thrusting at on your way dancing into the end zone doing tiktok dances all the way down the field. Your six-touchdown game over your little cousin is with all of the disrespect that the Chiefs brought to everyone except for Ben Roethlisberger in this game, who they treated with all the kindness and dignity that you have laid out. It is such a ball. And that's like that is one of, like I don't know, genuinely what, three or four enormously dissonant things from this game? <laughs> of like, wait a second. It was 0-0. Zero, zero. This game had 63 points and zero in the first, first quarter. quarter. Yep, yep. Just- what? <laughs> um by the way we, we i mean just perfect on the little cousin just <laughs> by the way the little cousin is is a man who led the league in sacks and tied the record for the most sacks in I, an nfl season despite we, the additional I, 17th game i don't even know what i'm saying like, i don't even i know i just made noises like the, a person who wanted to start saying something i don't have the rest of a thought other than everybody just take a moment and and hear this, Nick Allegretti came out onto the field as the fourth or fifth option, depending on when you uh, want to was, quote Patrick Mahomes. He, he, said, was, he said he was he was option four because Jared McKinnon never ran an actual route. There you go. Okay, he said five to Michelle Tafoya post game, and so I'm just I'm all about this play. My entire last 24 hours has been I guess not quite 24. My next 24 hours will continue to be about this play. Nick Allegretti comes out there as option four. Blocks T.J. Watt, 
the man with all of the accolades that you just mentioned, throws that man into the ground, takes a few steps, turns around, catches a pass, puts it in the end zone. I mean, I'm not kidding, and I'm not exaggerating, and I hope that this is all evident. That is one of my favorite plays in NFL history. Because it's just, it is one man on a bleep you mission, and that man is Nick Allegretti. It's so good. He collects coins. His hobby is coin collecting. Yes, yes. Uh, he's a really, he's a good lineman, and he's a he's a good player, and he seems like a like a lovely guy. And he ate TJ Watt for dinner, and they got a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> what? So your little cousin is again TJ Watt, all yes. world pass rusher, and and let's add your little nephew too, <laughs> who's <laughs> who's just Cam Hayward, all pro defensive tackle. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Just a couple of superhumans. Just, yeah. just, just superhumans that they that they removed from the game. Just schematically remove them from the game. Like, hey, you're really good at this, and we're gonna work around you, um, yep. in just cruelly efficient manners. Um, it, it's why I wrote that that, that the Chiefs outwitted uh, mm-hmm. the Steelers because. Um, it really, it truly was. Now this, now this will get to the second part of this, in, in my opinion, Josh. So if we talk about respect, respecting your opponent, but then disrespecting them at every opportunity possible, uh, once you sort of seize control of the outcome. The second part of this is the reason why Andy Reid is a Hall of Fame coach. One of the reasons I should say is obviously he's a he's an innovator. He is an offensive wizard, um, but he scripts the season the same way that he scripts these silly fifteen plays to start out. Mm-hmm. Now, the Chiefs led the league in points produced on the first possession of the game. They led the league. I think it was sixty eight points. So the fifteen play thing works. It, it is he is meticulous in figuring out ways to present problems, and matriculate the ball down the field to get you in scoring range. Now, that didn't happen today, but in a grander picture, he really does say, ah, for the first five weeks, here's the, here's the playbook. And then for the next three to four, you add some wrinkles, you add some layers on top of it. All right, then about, uh, is it is it Thanksgiving yet? All right, Thanksgiving. Well, we got to get this guy involved. We got to get that guy involved. Hey, let's do some end rounds. Let's do some, you know, some funky things. All while building something for late December, what you hope is mid to late January. And in his career, he's gotten to three Super Bowls. Uh, so early February. The way... And again, I I can tell when these things are sort of happening. Um, mm-hmm. A because this is my job, but I knew before the Chargers game. Oh, they're gonna they're gonna unleash some things on the Chargers that the Chargers just can't. <laughs> and so, in one way, it helped the Steelers that it was a rematch and that they had been throttled the first time because those guys played with real heart, effort, determination. Um in the first quarter. And then it became evidently clear that like, well, here's all the stuff that I've, that I've 
built out for for this game, regardless of who the opponent is. Um, and it truly is a masterclass and really does show why coaching matters extremely, extremely important in, in the postseason when talent is mostly even, even though it wasn't last night. <laughs> and you can, you need to find every, every inch, every crevice, every, every zipper to get an advantage. <laughs> every, every cleavage. I mean, you just need, you need to find ways to, you need to find ways to get ahead. Okay, so I described the Chiefs as being creative, innovative, outwitting their opponent uh, in short yardage situations, primarily within the red zone. And the Steelers' offense was unimaginative. Josh, they didn't do anything different. It was the same. You had two opportunities and I don't feel like the Steelers built anything that was that wild or different or was a play that was built off of something they had shown the Chiefs in the first matchup. It helps having Juju Smith-Schuster on the field. But you got to schematically push your opponent so that the talent can then be accentuated. Yeah, And the Chiefs did that and the Steelers didn't. And there's a reason why the Steelers are... Why their season ends and the Chiefs continue to move on, um, but I think a lack of trying to trying to find the right balance between respect and being very dis, very disrespectful, but also understanding too that we have to we have to treat this game differently because it is different. It's winner go home. Yeah. So of course we're gonna like bring out the good. You know what? Like mm-hmm. we have to. Uh, and for the Steelers not to really anticipate that or do it themselves, um, I find to be why this game got out of hand once it became clear that huh, one team is one team's been preparing for this moment all season, and it felt like the Steelers were one team that was that was that had literally scratched and clawed its way yes. to this moment. And was not and didn't have anything else. Didn't have anything left to really present um, to give themselves an advantage other than TJ Watt. Please do something humanly spectacular, mm-hmm. and that's a lot to ask of of a player when the talent again is very very even. Even like even with Andrew Wiley, like it wasn't that big of a discrepancy. It really wasn't. And then Mahomes knows how to. He knows all his landmarks. He knows where to move. Okay, he's going to rush this way. I do this. He's going to rush inside. All right, that lets me scramble out. Um, If I need to protect the football, I'll take the sack. But, Josh, it's... (sighs) Do you want to know when the game ended? Yeah, I... I've got I know Seth's moment because actually Seth's moment was a play earlier than I thought it was going to be. I remember I saw up in the uh, the Chief of the North newsletter. What was your moment? Okay, so it's an incredible situation where T.J. Watt does influence the play, um, but I think Highsmith is the one that actually gets the sack on Patrick Mahomes. It's third and twenty, and no one touches. 
Travis Kelsey on a just a, a gorgeous yeah. route yeah. for a 48-yard touchdown when they were just trying to get a field goal. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's just and, – and, and, you know, T.J. Watt is in Patrick Mahomes' face, and it doesn't matter. So, uh, yeah. That that was the play for me too. Again, so I wanted to pull. I'm pulling Seth's story back up because I'm, I'm pretty sure that his his moment that he pointed to. Yeah, he said I, the moment I knew the game was over was the shot down the field to Demarcus Robinson mm. right there before the end of the half. Um, but the issue there that you just mentioned is Patrick Mahomes was sacked the next play. Like, right? I, look, you could make the argument that the game was like. We knew what was going to happen at the Byron Pringle touchdown, like the first of the Byron Pringle touchdowns, being up 14 to 7 somewhere in there, uh Rudy Salazar, the one and only, said it might have it might have been it might have been the Byron Pringle touchdown actually, where he said, "I think there's a chance that was the game-winning score." <laughs> because it it might it almost would have gotten it done if the defense would have needed to continue playing that way, it, it might have. Um I I think that that strike to Travis Kelsey is when it felt over. I, I would be 100% with you on that. Also, just since we're here on Travis Kelsey, I'm going to rip this straight out of your story uh, because Travis Kelsey, and I'm, we're going to miss something. There were other like records and stuff going yeah. around last night. Uh, there's a ton of crazy weird stats from this game. But as you wrote in The Athletic, with five receptions for 108 yards, Kelsey recorded his seventh postseason game with at least 100 yards, the second most in league history. The only person he's behind there is Jerry Bleeping Rice, who has eight Travis Kelsey could pass Jerry Rice in that stat this season with with a win and uh, another big game, win or lose. Obviously, if he just gets over 100 twice, he passes him there. Yes. Also, uh, the first—I didn't know this one. I love this. The first player in league history to record a touchdown reception, 100 or more receiving yards, and throw a touchdown in a single postseason game. That's one of those stats where you just like move all the sliders around on the on yes. the uh, <laughs> stat finding sites, and you're like, I'm gonna yep. get this one. I'm gonna get unless unless uh, Marcus Mariota did it or something, but not 100 receiving yards. We got him out of here. We're good we've got this one yeah just we're we're gonna be able to spend a lot of time on a lot of different things Travis Kelsey's performance in this game should not be whittled down to just a hilarious and wonderful touchdown pass it's the whole deal he's just dude's an alien he he really is he's incredible um and it seemed like the Steelers had a pretty good plan for him early in the game Mm. and then the Chiefs were just like all right uh Spread him out. (laughs) (laughs) Spread him out. Find the one-on-one. And then that poor, I mean, that poor DB. (laughs) Well, and also to to your point on, uh, you know, alluding to it there, I think, and what you said also about a team that looked like they were preparing all year for this game versus a team that looked maybe a little surprised to have gotten to this point. Yes. I I don't want to, because here's the thing. I don't want to be revisionist and be like, see, the Chiefs were just saving all their good stuff. Because if if some of the good stuff would have gotten them a first round bye, they would have been wise to use some of that earlier. Like, there there are mistakes that were made both. I mean, you, you can find plenty of moments throughout the entirety of the season. Play calling, play execution, bad luck, bad situation. You know, there, there is plenty we could, we did talk about rightfully so. But... Once they got out of that first quarter, which we'll circle back on in a little bit, once mm-hmm. they got out of that first quarter, they just looked like they remembered that they could use all of the good stuff. So, yeah, okay, you know what? They've got a good plan for Travis Kelsey. Let's go ahead and find him some one-on-ones. Like, wait, can we do that? Yeah, I think I think we can. Hey, Patrick, can you do that? Yeah, man, I, I think, yeah, I think I'll got, you know what? I got him. 
And then it was, and then it was off to the races. Yeah, it it really was. And and you're so right, Josh, because um, that argument is very valid. Like against Cincinnati, um, I would say most of the coaching errors were more on the defensive side because your offense Mm -hmm. only had three possessions. Um, By the way, y'all, every time I mention Cincinnati now, (laughs) let's, let's just let the record show. Cincinnati's most important games of the year have both been in Cincinnati. Both have been wildly clouded by a referee in the officiating mm-hmm. crew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> by the way, um, that inadvertent whistle that you heard, oh. that we all heard. Josh, can you explain what part of the sideline, what part of the field was that on? Uh, well, Joe Burrow, I believe, was stepping out on the right <laughs> side of the field, uh-huh, I think, on uh-huh. the move there yep, and yep, throwing yep, it in. That- that's his. Okay. That, that's his team sideline. That's where um, he was at. Right? And you know okay. what, fellas? That's on us. Just mark. Just wave it off. Touchdown. <laughs> we don't. We. You know. Uh, you. Uh, you said that's on us. I. I believe that the official pool report said that the whistle came after the play, uh, Nate. I'm not uh, sure. I'm not sure if your ears are fooling you or not. But so, if if anyone out there, this is a conversation I had with uh, uh, that I, that I had with a, a producer on on Saturday. Got to got to explain. Hey, if you if you're still a little bit cloudy on what the term gaslighting means, <laughs> there's an example of it right there. Of no, the whistle was the we blew the whistle after what? the play. No, you heard you heard it during the play, huh? Yeah. You talking yeah. about oil, oil, oil? <laughs> oh, what? Uh, <laughs> um, the 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 I, I told Holly asked a very loving question to me. Babe, why are they lying to us? <laughs> To which I said, A, because we're men, B, because we're <laughs> stupid, C, because we're egotistical, and D, we don't want to admit mistakes in front of the whole world. Does that cover it for you? I, I, I mean, I also, they're, look, they're also part-time employees <laughs> of a bajillion-dollar company. Of a multi-billion-dollar industry. You know what, fellas? That's on us. Touchdown. If the refs had just come out and been like, yeah, we blew it, but also we are not full full season employees. Can I get we're seasonal we're seasonal apprentices or whatever minor league baseball tried to get pulled over everybody's eyes a few years ago? Can I get full benefits? I flew southwest to get here too, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) That's on us. Touchdown. Like I just I've cracked myself up all weekend being like like pounding like touching your chest. That's on us. Touchdown. (laughs) Now it's three um, moves. That's a new. That's a new refereeing signal. <laughs> it's chest what? pat, chest pat, hand up to say that's on me, and then the other hand comes up with it, signaling <laughs> touchdown. It's a whole. I'm doing it right now. I know this is an audio medium exclusively, yeah. but everyone can just do that at home. Chest pat, one hand slightly up, both hands all the way up, signaling touchdown. Yep, and, and do it with like the stiffness of a statue. Yes, um, we call that the Cincinnati shuffle. So. Uh, by the way, Chiefs fans, you got through one week, guys. You got through one week, and the rest were not a storyline in yeah. your playoff game. Woo. Okay? The Las Vegas Raiders have some beef. Um, the Dallas Cowboys. Whoo! My Lord. This man. Wait, how you going to be? How is 14 seconds left? That let, let's, let's just remove the coaching from what it is. It's 14 seconds left. I get it. But you are putting the faith of your season, the fate of your season, I should say, in the hands of a 
past his middle-aged man yeah. who literally as they showed the full all 22 camera angle on CBS was shitting bricks running 60 <laughs> yards down the field when he realized, oh no, the game is on me. <laughs> I'm going to get hit potentially with an adult toy flying out of the stands if I don't get this ball cut with three seconds left. He, Josh, when they showed Dak scrambling on the CBS All-22 the 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 I don't the official because it wasn't the referee cannot touch the ball, as I explained. The referee's got to see all the pre snap movement. Is everybody on side? Is everybody lined up correctly? Are there seven men on the line of scrimmage? Does this look uniformly correct? Okay, you can spike it. No penalties whatsoever. But it, it's up to a man who was on the other side of the star logo at midfield just running for his life and then ran the moment they said the game was over. Yep, I got to go. Yep, we out. So, hey. Dak Prescott was complimenting his fans for throwing things at an old man for not being as fast as Dak Prescott is. <laughs> Think about that. We all say, look, as players, you got to be situationally sound. And there is a great uh, cut-up and example of this from Dan Orlovsky on ESPN who mm-hmm. sort of showed that, like, ah, the Cowboys are a little cavalier in what they was out here doing mm-hmm. with no timeouts, by the way. Because, yes, that's your coach. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's your coach. The coach, we ain't got no timeouts, all right? But we're going to run a play that is actually requiring a timeout. Okay, regardless of that, the Chiefs got through one week of the refs not being an issue. And that is a victory in and of itself. Yeah. Um, Now... The Chiefs never let the rest really get involved because once they got up, as we suggested, you know, once they got up 21-7 at halftime, you can wipe your hands of this thing and move forward. Everybody stayed healthy. So that's another win. Um, but I just find it extremely fascinating that like, oh, Cincinnati, we'll have to go on the road and we'll see how the refereeing goes there. And, you know, the Chiefs will will host the Bills, of course, in a game that I think both of us Seth included probably thought was probably going to be in the AFC championship. Mm -hmm. It comes around early. So, you know, the referees get a little split up in the division round two guys. (laughs) So not quite out of the hair yet. Um, It's, it's a wonderful product that is again of a multi-billion dollar industry. And you just hope that your quarterback plays extremely well. That your defense does enough winning, has enough winning plays, which the Chiefs did. The Chiefs defense should get a lot of credit because um, for us criticizingly, correctly criticizing them, saying, hey, uh, you didn't have your best against the Bengals, kind of, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was a little lackadaisical against this, against the Broncos. Hey, Chiefs defense came out, performed from the jump. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's just, it's just, I love this. I love this stupid sport. I love, I love every facet of it because again, billions of dollars are being exchanged and are you getting billions of, 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 of work production? Uh, I don't know, Josh. Billions of dollars are exchanged. (laughs) 
for the highlights from this game to be the Chiefs' sixth offensive lineman catching a touchdown <laughs> and their tight end throwing one. Yep. Like, yep. Now you, now you I mean, it is a stupid sport. It's and it's such a stupid brilliant. sport. It's oh. great. It's great. Oh, it's great. You know, uh, yeah, I mean, the Chiefs are such a fascinating team because they showed that when they are mentally focused, when they are sharp in their fundamentals, they're the best team in the AFC by a wide margin. Yeah. But now you just got to prove it week after week in the most important weeks of the season. And so they did it for about 40, 45 minutes on Sunday. And that was clearly enough against a Steelers team who, you know, um, can I, can I, can I, I don't want to do this, but can I do this, Josh? You got to do this. Um, so in week seven, I'm mostly concerned about what the Chiefs say after the game because that's mm-hmm. the primary focus on my job. But when you understand some of the other teams in the league, um, when you have friends who cover other teams and you sort of understand their storylines, it's when the season is, it's like, oh, okay, I wonder how this will be framed, right? Like mm-hmm. in Philadelphia, wow, guys, playoff football is completely different than the regular season. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Um, <laughs> you know, for the Steelers, I, I actually tuned in and listened to a few of the quotes, obviously read through them. Um, everybody, did everybody get, I think everybody got a free out of jail card because coaching wise, not not off the snuff. Um, their receivers can't win one on one in man press man covers. You know that kind of kind of need that. Um, the running back. I mean, the offensive line was awful. <laughs> uh, TJ Watt came here. Thanks for coming, boys. Um, Mika Fitzpatrick had like a couple good plays, but he got torched uh, a couple times. Joe Hayden, I've always had respect for him. They kind of abused him at times. Might uh, be might be about time. He's been in the league for a minute. Might he, be has, about time. He, he has been in the league. I respect the hell out of him, but he kind of got abused. I think everybody got a free out of jail card because they were like, would you ask me? Well, it's just it's just an honor to play with Ben. It's just <laughs> it's such an honor to play with this man. Did you ask me about the offseason? <laughs> I I just look at him and he gave it his all. And I love everything that he's provided. Um, coach, what did you, coach, did you guys blink? Tomlin, did they blink? It looked like you guys were blinking out there. Your eyes, your eyes looked closed out there, Mike. What happened? Seven was seven. What? <laughs> seven was seven. Did you hear that quote? Yes. Seven was yes. seven. What? Seven Co- was coach. seven. Coach, coach, is, is Mac, is Mac Canada going to be back? The OC, seven was seven. Coach. Everybody had a free get out of jail card. Hey, um, things kind of got out of hand there in the second quarter. What happened? When I look at everything Ben's been through this yes. these last couple years, everything he's accomplished, everything he's accomplished. I mean, we got a two time Super Bowl champion out there. I mean, God, God bless Juju Smith Schuster, who this offseason. Made a, made a decision that he'll have to live with. Oh, man. But Juju saying, 
I what I'm I'm going to try to convince him to come back. Sir, that, you do oh. not have to take it that far. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's when you're like <laughs> Imagine that locker room conversation of like they're they're packing their stuff up post game. And Juju walks over to Roethlisberger, and he realizes that he said that out loud at the podium. And he walks back in to get on the plane, and he walks past Roethlisberger's seat. And he goes, "Ben, you want you want to uh, you want to come back and do this one more time next year?" And Ben's like, "Nah, man, I'm good." And Juju's like, "Cool, cool, 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 cool. All right, yep, all right. Well, I, you know, I asked. I asked. I, hey, I, I, I did, I did, I did my asked. job. <laughs> hey, do you want me to? Uh, you want me to uh, clean up the? Uh, you, want me, you want me to do the dishes? No, 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 no. Okay, that's fine. I, I mean, I'll let you do them then. I guess if you say it's okay." I mean, every quote was just, and I'm not saying every quote, but overwhelmingly, every quote was, man, did you guys see Ben out there? Did you see the fans? Oh, just, the they fans. all they, they always travel. You yes. know, it's cool to see them appreciate Ben for, for what he's what he's been through, what he's done, what he continues to do, which is throw 40-yard passes, 35 yards. Oh, it's just, <laughs> I mean, what can I say? He's a great guy. Hell of a teammate. Uh, did you ask me about the defense? <laughs> Every, like, I don't know if, if that's Tomlin. That actually is immaculate coaching. But, like, everybody was like, but can I use this Ben Roethlisberger retirement get out of jail free card? For Tomlin torched? also talked for, I believe, a total of two minutes and 50 seconds. Uh, somebody asked him. I, it was, I wish I could remember the quote off the top of my head. But it was like. Do you need to get more from your receivers whenever they're dropping the ball like that? And Tomlin's response was, I'm going to try to get the tone right here. The question had barely left the reporter's mouth. And Mike Tomlin went, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> and then somebody else asked a question. Uh, coach, All right. Yep. I, you know what? But coach, I think, you'd, I think that you would like that to happen, less those drops and whatnot. I just, so I just again, multi-billion dollar industry. Where we're asking someone of high prominence before a very important event, and he his response is, "Don't blink." What? Cut your eyelids off. <laughs> what? If what? you if you cannot trust your eyelids to stay open, cut them off. This man gets paid millions of dollars in part as part of a multi billion dollar industry to look into a camera and say, "Don't blink." Cut off your eyelids. I love this sport. Love it. Me too. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Do you want to talk about that first quarter a little bit? Because I've got sure. I've got I got a way that I could I could pat myself on the back, which of course I will do. Um, but but also that I think this could be a really fun little microcosm of what this week was and what these last couple of weeks have been, and also what could be coming with the Bills. We'll talk more about this next week, later in the week, I'm sure. But through 20 minutes of this game, the, the Chiefs had not accomplished anything offensively. Um, the the best thing that they had done was uh, hand the ball. 
from McCole Hardman to Darrell Williams, dropped to the ground, hit again, scoop and score, TJ Watt. That was that was with uh, with uh yeah, with about 10 minutes left in that second quarter. That was the first score of the game. Neither offense had done anything. The Chiefs obviously start with just a couple of brutal, a three and out, and then one that should have been a very obvious go situation, fourth and one from the 49. They punt it. Tommy Townsend had a couple not great punts out of the gate, whatever. Yep. You know, yep. We don't have to spend a lot of time on Tommy Townsend, but uh, that decision was awful. We don't have to talk about that either because they ended up scoring 42 points in the second, third, and fourth quarter, but I will make a point of that in a second. Uh, and then they get the ball back after the defense forces another three and out. And Patrick Mahomes has one of those, oh, what month is it, interceptions, where the ball is just up and tipped and picked, and you okay, well, here we are for that again. By the way, it's an incredible play by, like, T.J. Watt had an amazing first half. Yep. I mean, just because Watt knows he can't get there, uh, and based on his film study, uh, knew that he had kind of rushed Patrick, and then got his hands up at just the right time. Uh, and give credit to, to the to the defender who made the interception. But it's like that's one of those plays where it's just like, hey man, that guy's that guy's like a Hall of Fame talented pass rusher where he can do that without having to touch you. Uh, and then Patrick, you know, and the offense kind of recalibrated and they went from there. But but it's uh, I you know I feel differently about that interception where at least it wasn't like oh that went through. Travis Kelsey's hands or Travis sure. Kill's hands. Like, that's a defensive player making a making a very wise play. That happened off the edge a few weeks ago. I, I can't even remember what team it was against. It, was, it, was, where... New, it was New Osu against the Chargers, which was also another good play. Uh-huh. And that was based on film study, too, that knowing in, back in their own end, uh, A, the ball's got to come out quick. C, I can, I can pressure him by just being there. And because, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is short. Uh, it's a it's a harder pass to throw right. over a, a defensive end, and so fair a fair a fair tweak there of like that wasn't just the bad luck through Tyree Kill's hands sort of things that was a great play but then the ball is in the air and it seems like those in the the cursed weeks for the Chiefs offense those that pass always came down in the in the gloved hands of the other team's color and and never in a pair of red or gold gloves it seemed, um, but but if you get through that. That Wildcat fumble, TJ Watt touchdown, and you freeze right there. You get, what was it, three punts, the pick, and then the fumble? Or was there four punts at that point? One, two, three Chiefs punts, the fumble touchdown, and the interception. Yes. That was, I started talking about this more partway through the week, and so Seth and I talked about it a little bit, I think, uh, on here last week. There was just that weird film over the Broncos game where everything just felt kind of gross and didn't quite work quite right. And I didn't think that that was going to be replicated over the course of this entire game because this is a playoff game and a totally different animal in a lot of ways. But I also didn't want to totally discount the possibility that the Chiefs could fizzle because we have seen them do that this year. They, They didn't feel... They don't. They didn't feel inevitable to me coming into the playoffs this season. The favorite in the AFC still, but not a not a, not a bona fide lock. What I take from that first quarter, and maybe the only thing I really take from that first quarter going into next week, or I guess going into this week, if they have that start offensively against the Bills, it it might be twenty one to nothing instead of seven to nothing whenever the offense starts moving and. The fun of it is that with the second, third, and fourth quarter that they had yesterday, 
they still might be able to erase that deficit Houston Texan style. But if you get down even by two touchdowns early to the Bills, they might not give you the opportunity to shrink the lead because they may never stop scoring touchdowns, which is what they did against Bill Belichick's defense. Like, I think the Chiefs defense deserves a lot of credit for what we saw yesterday, but the Bills don't seem afraid of anybody. And so I I just want to take note of that. I don't think it's predictive of what I would expect from the Bills game, but it is interesting to think that, uh, the, the Chiefs caught a break by this being up against a team that was not able to capitalize on those mistakes. And that was the thing I was uh, a broken record on late in the week of, hey, you know, I the, the Chiefs have had their self-inflicted wounds. They've had their issues all year long. And the, the better teams have been able to to punish them for some of those. Yes. I didn't think the Steelers would be able to. They weren't ultimately, but they still made those mistakes from from the, the Chiefs offensive side. So what do you what do you see from that? from that first quarter and is any is any of that more than just uh you know one literal quarter of football uh no i'm 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 completely on your side on this um if there are coaching quibbles it is the fact that i mean we've been saying this since the 2018 season now it's a little different cuz the the defense is more championship caliber yeah but this is for any coach moving forward. If you really about this life, <laughs> the moment you get to midfield, if it's short yardage and you don't have a play that you feel comfortable with, you should lose. Like that's that's where we are in today's NFL. If it's fourth and inches, fourth and two, and you ain't got a play near midfield, you don't deserve to win. And so I completely agree with you in it's the playoffs go get a lead um they they, they should have went for it mm. now Ben Roethlisberger was in year 18 and that quarterback doesn't exist anymore as you move forward in the playoffs that offensive line one of the worst just who who had a who had a who had a more horrid performance? Was it the was it the Raiders' offensive line because of all the penalties, or was it because oh. or was it because the Steelers couldn't move anybody? Um, now part of that is because Chris Jones, Melvin Ingram, Frank Clark—they're all very good, but like you can't lose all the time, fellas. Um, so maybe Andy Reid, maybe that's part of the calibration in his decision making, and I get that because every game is its own situations in, in some aspects. But I saw a little bit of tentativeness from a play-calling standpoint early in the game. Uh, The Chiefs didn't execute that great. But again, as I said earlier, I thought the Steelers played with the pride, intensity, focus that was necessary and what you should have expected coming into a rematch where you had uh, blown them out with your beat team. (laughs) You know, three weeks prior without Travis Kelsey, obviously with very little Tyreek Hill. Um, we're going to say this a little bit more later in the week, uh, probably Thursday's episode, but, um, there should be no problems of, of being focused or understanding the, the ramifications of going three and out next week. (laughs) Like that, that, you know, I'm going to trust the human beings who've been to back to back Super Bowls and realize that they realize 
on that team, as you mentioned, they ain't afraid anymore of anybody. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's a hiccup that you got away with. I also thought it was, you know, it kind of hinders, uh, it kind of doesn't give as much spot, spotlight as I think McCall Hartman deserved. Mm. Because that was his best game of the season, guys. Yeah. Like, he didn't have 100 receiving yards, but he looked like he was making quick decisions and and made those decisions with true conviction and got upfield. Um, and so I thought the more depressing thing was, man, you got a really great punt return, uh, the longest punt return in postseason history, and then T.J. Watt in the interception just completely wiped that out. Um, now, as I wrote in The Athletic, Josh, it was clear by the time, even before the touchdown, it was clear that Andrew Reese said, mm, I need to shake this up. I need to get to the, mm-hmm. to the, to the, to the, to the unzip your pants yep, section. Gotta, uh, yep. Time to unzip a little bit. Time yeah. to be a little buttoned up here today. Yeah. We, you know, gonna so, at least, un- gonna at least pop a button. At yes. least. Great, great, great analogy, sir. X, F, uh, exquisite. So <laughs> let's pop that first button and oops. Uh, that's right. Daryl ain't right. Get him off. Get him off the field. And I, I feel bad for Daryl Williams because he had his first thousand yard, uh, season from scrimmage. Uh, yes, he needed 17 games, but um, he didn't look he didn't look like he had the burst or yeah. the change of direction. I wonder if that how how much of that mentally was with him as he was approaching, obviously taking the handoff from McCole Hartman, who I thought did a, like when I watched the replay, I was like, oh, that that's not on McCole Hartman. McCole Hartman stuck that ball out and said, please take it. Okay, so I was going to ask you about that in particular because at first I thought I wonder if Daryl didn't think he was actually getting the ball there. That's a that's a big spot to put McCole Hardman in though to, to really stick a fake handoff and rip it back out there. That yes. that just, that would not have made a ton of sense to me. But also Daryl Williams just not getting the handoff cleanly doesn't really make sense to me. But you you think that you think McCole did what he was supposed to do there, and that was yes. a, a Daryl Williams moment. Yes, because did you see okay. Daryl? Did you did you see Daryl Williams after that game after that play? I, I uh, I did. Well, he also he he fumbled it at least once, <laughs> minimum. <laughs> I think he only got credited with one. I think Hardman got credited with one. They did. Yeah, there was yeah. officially two fumbles in that play. <clears throat> um, that was Daryl Williams' last snap, at least with mm-hmm. the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, by that conclusion, I'm led to believe, based on watching the replay, it's probably on Daryl Williams, just because yeah. he wasn't a hundred percent. Um, and I think for Chiefs fans, they have to understand too that Daryl had to try his best to be available because you don't know a what Jared McKinnon is going to do. Which whoo, um, mm-hmm. that's the best version of that guy all season. Um, uh, and look, Derek Gore is a is essentially a, a rookie in terms of this was his first postseason game. Um, you know Clyde's already out. Yes, they 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 added Darwin Thompson, but like we can't add him and bring him into uniform immediately. That would seem. That would seem rash. So <laughs> Dale tried everything he could, and it was wise for the coaching staff to be like, "Yeah, let's ride the Stuart McKinnon wave." Because boy, was it was it a tidal wave. Uh, it was. I mean, he was. We were surfing. Absolutely. Um, but I get the sense that that was that, and even today, Andy says that it's not an issue with the play call itself. It's just we recognize that we have. 
it, it seems to me that they or I'm a, I'm led to believe based on what I'm inferring from Andy's uh, answer today that they in essence had repped that play between McColl and Clyde, who wasn't available, and McColl and Daryl Williams because those are your two most featured running backs. They had not probably repped that with Jared McKinnon. Not to say that you couldn't make it work, but Andy's really comfortable about like this is what we practice, this is what we put on the field. Mm-hmm. Um and it just didn't work out. And so Andy's like he he didn't he didn't look 100%. Um the moment he got hit by I believe Cam Hayward, he fumbled the ball again. So it's unfortunate, but Andy never placed any blame on McColl. He thought McColl actually handed off the ball. Well, it's just as as Daryl was approaching the line of scrimmage, I think just squirted out. Um, and he did his best to sort of save the moment. Um, but Cam Hayward, all pro. TJ Watt, all pro. Sorry, man. <laughs> that caught me off guard is the punctuation. Yeah, sorry. That sorry, man. That uh happens. That's a tough break. It, it happens. happens. Yeah, that it happens. happens. Uh so with with that uh, mention there of Jarek McKinnon, let's talk about him for a second because I I said this after the game. I saw Seth invoke this man's name in uh, in his story up in the uh, up in the newsletter, and that made me feel good because it meant it wasn't just my eyes. But this felt a little bit like a clutch Damian Williams playoff game, a little bit um, where Jarek McKinnon got some work on the ground and was effective there. But also, he looked like a very comfortable part of the passing game in a way that, again, I don't want to besmirch Daryl Williams, but like even as he became the pass-catching back this year, it, it, it felt like occasionally he was the guy that was open and you took what you could get. Or you have a miracle shot downfield and he goes up and gets it for an incredible highlight. But Jared McKinnon seemed like he was just functioning in the offense had a couple of things drawn up for him, or, you know, at least for the position, and took advantage of it without many mistakes that I can remember. What, what did you make of, of that game from him? Yeah, well, I'm going to write about it uh, more in The Athletic, but it's just, it's exactly what they needed. Um, and it's and it's what I envisioned, or at least could could see in training camp. And I thought it was, yeah. I thought it was fascinating that Patrick last night said, um, well, nothing surprised me because I saw it in training camp. We just, yep. again... Didn't really get to it in the regular season because take a deep breath, Josh. You have a first round pick at running back. You have a guy that's been there as his backup, who is his teammate, mentor, friend, who's a four year veteran. And then Jerick McKinnon, you just understood and you knew it. He he was probably gonna get hurt this year. Now yeah, fair. All credit to him for going through the rehab the proper way, for getting healthy, for showing a little bit of that sizzle in the, you know, in week seven, in week 18, excuse me, of game 17. You know, it's it's fascinating. Week 18 is really business decisions all around the league. And for Jared McKinnon, it was like, I got to show something now so that they can trust me in the playoffs mm-hmm. um, versus, man, I just want to get to the playoffs Come on, Drew. Drew, stop scrambling. Um, you know, so I'm gonna say it right now, Josh. Can't take the ball out that man's hands. You just cannot. 
It's 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 winning time. No, 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 no. Uh, if Clyde comes back, that's great. You can sprinkle him in. Same with Daryl Williams. If we assume he gets healthy. Uh, but no, this is this is this is Jared McKinnon's show until until we must, you know, pivot elsewhere. It's gotta be right. Like it's just I, I don't know. I mean, look, I'm I'm trying to make sure that I'm not accidentally you know looking through this in my uh, whatever the opposite of rose colored glasses would be. I don't know my 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 dark blue lenses or something. But it feel it it felt like a again like everything moving, everything working in tandem. Plays when you needed them. Could have a stretch where you didn't need him. It, it felt like one of the most hand-in-glove performances from a running back in this offense, maybe since Damian Williams. May, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm maybe I'm overestimating some of that. Maybe I need to at least extend a little bit of the like at least the rookie difficulties that would come for Clyde edwards Lair in his first year. That's a tough spot to be in. But um, well, I don't well, know, man. It, it well, looked right. It felt right. Who, who was the last running back to have a similar performance in a postseason game for the Chiefs, Josh? It, definitely Damian Williams. Well, there you go. Right? I mean. Yep. Yep. I mean, now I will say Daryl Williams uh, had a great performance against the Cleveland Browns, um, obviously because you were trying to run the clock out uh, with Mahomes being injured, obviously, in that game, uh, and obviously relying on Chad Henney to sort of close it out. Um, but no one's done what Jerry McKinnon did prior right. to – Damian Williams, and this was this was a tough decision that the Chiefs made uh, two off seasons ago, before the 2020 season, when, as I reported, Damian Williams was ready to defend his title uh, alongside Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. Uh, he had become an integral part of the offense, um, and then they drafted Clyde, mm-hmm. and you know it's unfortunate, but I think Damian was a little hurt by that for reasonable uh you know to understand uh his mother of course uh unfortunately had cancer so he took time off he opted out all right let's let's i back in and they were like yeah dog it's uh it's been a pleasure yeah. so that's with them thinking clive in year two was gonna take another step forward and i'm gonna be here to tell you that 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 didn't really happen so it's interesting that the Chiefs at least map this out pretty well from a front office standpoint yes you're going to use the first round pick Daryl Williams um kind of basically you could almost you know use this as like the last year of a rookie contract basically even though he wasn't drafted mm-hmm. uh, with Daryl um hey we found we found Derek Gore and uh if Kyle Shanahan loves a running back, yeah. it's wise for you to go get that running back if he's available on the free market. And that's what the Chiefs did with Jared McKinnon. You know, I thought they could have gone with, like, James White or um, Mr. Freeman. Uh, mm-hmm. There were some discussions about Philip Lindsay, which seemed preposterous now. Um, but, yeah, Jared McKinnon, uh, it's his show. Sometimes injuries are a blessing in disguise. But he's had the whole year to understand the offense. Hmm. And I think the best part for me, Josh, was, and I'm going to write about this, 
The offensive line did really well. Obviously, that involves Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith in their first pro season games. But the timing on every screen pass was just perfect. It, yeah. Perfect. And that's with a guy that I don't know how many screen passes they've ran with Jarrett McKinnon, but it looked like they had just practiced that really well last week. And man, did they just they just beat the Steelers over their heads with it. Here's one stat that I looked up last night that I was surprised by for a number of reasons, but I think is an interesting little uh, tidbit to your point there. If you now include the playoffs as a part of the scope of the 2021-22 NFL season, Jarek McKinnon now has the same number of receptions this season as Clyde Edwards-Elaire. They both have 19. You know, I think so, I would have taken the over on both of those players in yes, the preseason. Yes, and um, I'm going to say this because this is not revisionist history. Um the guy who had the best wiggle in training camp was Jerick McKinnon. Yeah. Now, you can argue Jerick McKinnon needed to show more wiggle because he's on a new team, learning a new system, uh, you know, ensuring his spot on the initial 53-man roster and then trying to prove to the coaching staff that, hey, I need touches. I need to be a part of the running back rotation. Maybe Clyde doesn't need to show the same amount of wiggle because, again, Take a deep breath. He was a former first round pick. Yep. But let the facts let the facts show that Jarrett McKinnon had the most wiggle explosiveness to him as a runner and a receiver in training camp. And that's why Patrick Mahomes mentioned it, because uh when the quarterback notices that, um it's 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 proving out more and more with Patrick that training camp really matters. Mm. Which helps Andy Reid say training camp really matters. Yeah, no kidding. And so, Byron Pringle, I thought had a really good training camp. That is translated. So has Jared McKinnon when given the opportunities. Um, I thought McCole Harmon was really good in training camp. It's just now starting. Mm-hmm. But hey, but hey, one of the rare times where Patrick scrambled, and guess what we found in the right ah. spot. Hey, hey. It's McCole Hartman, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, who, yeah. by the way, that's the best game of his career by far. Yeah. Based on situations, moment, opportunity, never made a mistake, you know. Um, and I'm assuming the Buffalo Bills will watch the direct snap and he's going to burn them probably on the edges on a jet sweep, you know, mm-hmm. option read, option read stretch play, basically. Uh, do you want to play a game real quick? It's a game I tease right before we hit record, and it can be the last thing that we uh, talk about here because we spent zero time on the defense, which isn't really the Chiefs' fault. The defense played pretty well. They just were doing it up against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yep, and and look, and, and look, hey, Zane Anderson, Ben Neiman, Daniel Sorensen. Cast those checks, fellas. <laughs> did you see how the game ended? Did you catch how the game ended? The, of the course I did. Through. That hit that kept them out of the end zone was delivered by the new Big Ben, Ben Neiman. Of course I did. The crown was passed from one Ben to the other. Um, Nate, do you know who led the Steelers in receiving yesterday? I did not know this until I uh, until I reviewed you, the box score this morning. Yeah, you told me not to look. I, you know, before we started recording, I was like, "Is it the tight end? Is it Juju?" And I've stopped from this moment on. I mean, it can't be. Uh, it can't be Harris, right? 
Poor, 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 poor Najee Harris. Man, poor Najee Harris. He averaged two point four yards <laughs> per carry. My argument, my argument for running back discussions for the rest of time might just be Najee Harris's rookie year because he's so talented and he can't do jack bleep back back there. He right just now. can't. By the way, um, based on you saying that, yeah, the Steelers had the worst offensive line in the AFC <laughs> in the last weekend because at least the oh. at least the Raiders moved the ball. They just kept yeah. going backwards. And yeah. every time I see the replay, I'd be like, yeah, that is an egregious holding penalty, guys. <laughs> that is just, whoo. Uh, so, no, it was the Steelers. So, so and here, here's the here's the receiving core. And you know, you know what? I'm just going to give you some stat lines because there are some names here that people who watch every second of this game are going to go, oh, yeah. Najee Harris had two receptions for negative one yard. Ugh. Derek Watt was uh, targeted, did not catch that pass. Benny Snell, two catches, 16 yards. Benny Snell. He also had two carries. Had one of those last ones. They really tried to put that game on ice. Uh, Ray Ray McLeod, two for 20. Pat Fryermuth, four catches for 25 yards. That's my guy. That's what I thought it was. <laughs> Chase Claypool, who we... Who we love. We I mean, love. The, ta- the talent we, is mean, there. We, Andy Reid, I hope he tried to smuggle a couple dudes out of the stadium and just see, <laughs> see if Juju and Chase Claypool wanted to come hang out this week. Uh, Chase Claypool, three for 25. Juju Smith-Schuster, five catches on eight targets in his first game back from an injury that was supposed to end his season for 26 yards. That's incredible. You know how hard that is to do? Five for 26 is crazy. By the way, none of those dudes could get open. Like, none of them uh, against press man coverage, which makes Steve Spagnuolo's job just so much easier. If uh, if Zach Gentry logged onto the Zoom right now and turned on his camera and it said Zach Gentry below his name, do you think you'd recognize him? Because I don't know that I would. No. In fact, I would not. No. Uh, he was third in receptions and in receiving yards, four catches for 33 yards. Deontay Johnson, who had approximately 47 big drops, did catch five passes for 34 yards. He also scored a touchdown. The the Steelers' leading receiver in this game is none of those dudes. Is wow. none of those dudes two for thirty seven and the last touchdown of the game, James Washington, who had it was a fifteen yard touchdown on the last score of the game that made him the Steelers' leading receiver. He had twenty four catches this year. I mean. That that is the Steelers' offense again. Najee Harris, I just told you, what was it? T- 2.4 yards per carry. Oh. 44 passes for 215 yards for Roethlisberger, and it wasn't even that pretty. I mean, oh. So give uh, give give the Chiefs defense whatever credit you want to give them before we get out of here. Because they, they play a really good game uh, against a, a really poor offense. Yeah, Both of those things can be true. Right. And the last touchdown, as Seth would say here, does not matter. Like, nope. they didn't care. Nope. They were just... Hey, just don't get beat like on the first seven plays of this drive. I, I don't. I don't even, I guess I need to look this up. But their last touchdown drive um, was fifteen plays, guys. Yeah, perfect, yeah. perfect job, fellas. Perfect. Took them six and a half minutes. <laughs> perfect job. Like, like as Seth would say, disregard all seventy-five of them yards. They had no results on the game. Uh, the, the Steelers only scored two touchdowns in in reality context. 
also uh, that that long drive there, and then also their their incredible clock eating drive to end the game, stopping just short of the end zone, did result in something stupendous, which is that the time of possession for this game was a perfect thirty zero zero to thirty zero zero. So I don't even know you could tie in the playoffs. That's huge. I saw that stat last night, and it made me smile, Josh. It really did. Two evenly matched teams. I've been saying it all week. I mean, just <laughs> you like you won't you you will only see that ever so often. And I was looking at turnovers and third downs, and oh yeah, let's see like how many plays each team ran. And what is that over here? Is that thirty and thirty? Thirty, thirty. A thirty, I think- a thirty for thirty. I'll 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 make my last thought on this game this one because I think here it is Matt McMullen the uh, Chiefs reporter. Yesterday's game marked just the fifteenth time in NFL history that time of possession was split evenly down the middle. It's just I also just noticed that Matt called it almost entirely meaningless, which I don't think is a is a, a credit to my similarly named radio show, but it sure feels like one. <laughs> um. Just, yeah. I mean, hey, neither team blinked, Josh. Neither team <laughs> no, they blinked. did not. We didn't blink a second more than we had to. <sighs> All right, so uh, you got the the, the post game piece is up on the Athletic right now. You're gonna be writing about Jarek McKinnon. We got Andy Reid's presser today. Seth already wrote up on the newsletter mnchiefsfan.substack.com. Also, he has a, he had a piece up on the Athletic that went up right after we recorded without Nate last week, and Seth did not tell me that was coming, so I failed to promote that last week. Uh, still still worth your time. Now you yes. can look at it a little bit through uh, through the lens backwards uh, at this game because it's not it was not about just Chief Steelers. It's it's looking at their potential for a, uh, a Super Bowl run. So still go check that out up on The Athletic as well. I just <laughs> told me about it over the hour we recorded together before it came out, but I digress. Uh, you can also, of course, follow all of us on Twitter at ByNateTaylor, at RealMNChiefsFan. I'm at JB Briscoe, and we'll be back later in the week to preview Chiefs Bills. So with that, Nate, uh, get us out of here. Uh, it's, it's been a real treat to watch this sport. <laughs> Over now three days. What are they doing to yes. us, John? Yes, with multiple mega casts. Ah! Um. All right, here's a quick thirty second preview, guys. You want the Cardinals to win, and here's why. Okay, Kyler Murray is a gingerbread man, a la Hard Knocks. <laughs> <laughs> God bless Hard Knocks, where the entire coaching staff for the Colts said, he a gingerbread man, like 18 times. Oh, um, <laughs> there he is, and there he ain't. He a gingerbread man. Uh, so, here we go. The Rams have played, the Rams have operated as if they are playing on Madden, okay? Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, first round picks be damned. <laughs> Trey for everybody. Yep. Um, if they lose this game at home, whoo, 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 whoo. okay, one team cannot lose, and it's the it's the LA Rams. So, yes, the Chiefs will get the Bills. We'll talk about that more this week. Um, it is what makes the divisional round great. Uh. We will also tell you who to root for in Bengals-Titans, because I guess we have to do that. 
I, I don't know. I don't have the answer yet. Um, 18 weeks is dumb. A playoff game on Monday Night Football is dumb. Uh-huh. Because the winner of this game has to go to Tampa Bay six days later. I can't stop, Brady. What are we doing, guys? So, hey, if you're the Chiefs, it's starting to open up. It's starting to clear out. Hey, we ain't got no schedule beefs. If all our playoff games are going to be on Sunday, two of them are at least going to be at home, perhaps a third. Cincinnati does you a bit of a favor. You ain't got no ref beef right now. And you don't have to play Tom Brady in six days. So it's it's opening up. It's all right there in front of the Chiefs. Um, but let's say it together, Josh. We respect this man. He mm-hmm. has been an excellent example of gritty determination. Mm-hmm. He's been big. Yes. He's absolutely. been he's been he's been a family man. I mean he's yeah. he's been loyal. A competitor. He's been dedicated. Big again. He's so big. He's and, so big. And, and it, it, it was an honor to respect this man and disrespect everybody in front of him. To watch Nick Allegretti rip his heart out in his final time on the NFL field. Yep. All due respect. All due respect.